the halftime process really starts first in terms of those talent selections, really thinking about, um, you know, how we continue to build year on year in terms of the, the spectacle that is the, the Super Bowl, the Pepsi Super Bowl halftime show. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 13 years, 400 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the Business News Podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years. And on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. My guest is Peter O'Reilly. He is the Senior Vice President of Events for the NFL. He's been in this position since 2014. He's responsible for the execution of all NFL events run by the league office, including the Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, NFL Draft, NFL Kickoff, and the NFL International Series and League Business Meetings. He is on Twitter at P.L. O'Reilly. Peter, super busy this week and next week. Thank you for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Doing well, Brian. Great to be with you. Uh, thanks for having me. So let's walk through your next couple of weeks. You have the Pro Bowl coming up in Orlando this upcoming weekend, and then the Super Bowl in Minneapolis on February 4th. Give our audience a sense of what the next couple of weeks looks like for you, and then we can dig into some uh, details. Yeah, sure. So I've been in uh, I'm in Minneapolis now. Have been here for about ten days. Um, you know, through the divisional round game out here, and have been uh, really working to prepare everything around Super Bowl, working with the local folks, and then it's uh, you know scheduled uh, tonight, which is Monday night. Now that we know the teams, um, we'll spend the day here in Minnesota, getting a lot of things done. Now that we've got the uh, the Eagles and the Patriots confirmed, because this is when everything becomes real. Um, you know, we've obviously spent a lot of time with the final four teams, but now it's real. So. That'll be the majority of today, and then planning to fly to Orlando tonight, um, pending a significant snowstorm coming into Minneapolis right now. Uh, and then we'll spend uh, the week in Orlando kind of kind of uh, juggling between the two events. Obviously, we've got uh, the Pro Bowl players will all come into town uh, Tuesday evening, uh, start practices, start all of the, the week-long activities we have leading up to the Sunday game at Camping World Stadium but we'll have probably more than one eye and, and one leg um, on Minnesota as we as we firm things up here, and then I'll come back to Minnesota right uh, right after the game, and then uh, and then we head into Super Bowl week, and 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 then it just runs from there. Peter, how many people are on your staff full time, and then how many people? I would imagine you're using resources on the ground in Orlando and Minneapolis as well. Yeah, so our core events team within the league office is about 25 people, um, but we get uh, significantly larger than that, both around Orlando and, and certainly around Super Bowl. Um, you know, at its, at its extreme, if you go uh, just to look at the, the scale of Super Bowl, I think we, I was talking to our accreditation person the other day, we will be over 30,000 accredited or credentials distributed for the Super Bowl you know, that's inclusive of the, you know, about 6,000 media. But even if you take out that media number, uh, the amount of people who will be accredited either for a role during Super Bowl week or on game day is uh, it's a pretty, um, 
not even a small army. It's a, it's a fairly large army. That's amazing. So you were originally scheduled to take over U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis on January 2nd, from what I've read. But obviously the Vikings kept playing, and they were eliminated yesterday. But how did the fact that they... Uh, you know, had to, they kept playing in the playoffs? Did that change your planning for getting in later than you would have liked? It definitely changed things. Um, we, uh, as you said, typically we would uh, take control of the stadium if a team were not playing a home playoff game right after the new year. So we'd get in, start to to build elements out in there, build out the secured perimeter. Um, so we, we clearly uh, started to do some work, and the Vikings were incredible partners, as was the, the team at U.S. Bank Stadium, in allowing us to do some work around the campus, inside the stadium, but really had to wait until after the divisional round game to, um, to do the majority of the work, which includes building out um, incremental media structures in there, um, putting in all the decor, finishing off the, the security perimeter around the building. So... That compacted things, um, and then even with the Vikings in the uh, you know on the road yesterday in Philadelphia, clearly they still needed uh, access this week. Um, they practice out in Winter Park, but their kickers, their specialists, come in and, and practice in the building. So um, working through that, they were incredible partners and have been and will be through the Super Bowl and the whole process. But um, as you know, even a divisional round game in a Super Bowl host stadium was unprecedented. It never happened before. Last year, the Texans played at home in the wild card round. Uh, this year, the divisional round was unprecedented. Um, and now uh, we're, we're uh, dealing with something unprecedented, not the Vikings in the Super Bowl, but uh, a town that is, uh, is about to welcome two teams into their town, um, though they're quite deflated on this Monday morning. So that's a, that's a dynamic none of us have dealt with before as well. Yeah, it's very, it's certainly interesting. Logistically, I know you don't have a a dog in the fight, so to speak, but logistically, is it better for the NFL that the Vikings were eliminated or would it have been better logistically if they had made the Super Bowl? Um, I don't know. I mean, it would have been, you know, this is a pat answer, but it would have been different. Um, Yeah. So I think that, you know, we were prepared either way. The, uh, you know, the scenarios of, of Vikings being in the game, clearly you would have had so many local and regional people coming into the market, um, which would have created a, a very different dynamic. Um, and there would have been a lot of a lot of things that would have been tremendous and exciting and historic about that. Um, and we would have learned a lot since it hadn't happened, you know, it still hasn't happened in 52 games. Um, and then what we're working through now is, is more the traditional format where you've got on this Monday lots of Eagles fans and Patriots fans making their plans, coming into the market, um, and and working through that, getting hotels, getting set, figuring out how their, their transportation's working, making sure they've got their, their tickets. So um, not better or worse, just different. Um, you know, we've got that uh, playbook, if you will, uh, on the side of that host team being in the game, and we still haven't had to officially pull it off the shelf. So uh, we'll go one more year on that one. So I've been around a lot of events, probably not as many as you, but I know last year it was also unchartered territory for you. We had the first overtime in a Super Bowl. And I read the story that former President George H.W. Bush flipped the coin at the beginning of the game, but he saved the commemorative coin for his library. So here comes overtime, and you you don't have a coin. Tell the story of what you did from there, because that certainly uh, probably set you scrambling. 
Yeah, it was an interesting, it was an interesting moment. Um, clearly, it was tremendous to have uh, President Bush 41 and, and Mrs. Bush there to, to flip the coin. Um, they were tremendous. It was a great moment. And then following that, um, as you might understand, uh, the president and then his people asked for the the coin um, to put into his, his presidential library. So someone on our team brought that up to his suite where he was sitting following the coin toss. So all was good there. And then uh, as you started, uh, the Patriots comeback started to take shape. And, and when you got to a point where you could be head to overtime, um, I'm up in our in our NFL control booth uh, where kind of all of our different department leads are. And I, I called out over the radio asking, uh, making sure we had our backup coins. We always do have a backup coin. That's the official, the official coin. And there was a, a bit of a pause, um, <laughs> not that <laughs> a bit of a pause may have been just someone trying to find the, uh, the button on the radio, but uh, ultimately we did, did get that backup coin get it to the referee and get it out there on time. So we didn't have to go to, uh, you know, the random quarter in somebody's pocket. We used the, uh, the official backup coin for the Super Bowl and, uh, and made history with quite an overtime. Wow. Yeah, you've always got to have contingency plans when you're planning something this big, and I'm sure that was uh, different for you. So U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, $1.1 billion stadium. It seats 66,200 people for a normal Vikings game. But uh, it looks like you guys need to drop capacity, as you do for every Super Bowl, because there's so many media, as you just mentioned, that want to come to the game. Can you talk about the configuration of the stadium for a Super Bowl? And then also, we might let our listeners know that the NFL comes in and really takes over operations at the stadium, right? Versus you're not using the Vikings staff, their game op staff for this game. Yeah, so just in terms of the stadium, first of all... um, for those who have been to it, and you know, it's just an incredible um, piece of architecture. It's just gorgeous, and, and one of the one of the great buildings in our league. Um, so it's going to be an incredible home for the Super Bowl. One of the most intimate buildings any of us have ever been to in terms of the the feeling close to the field. So they, it's just a, a great experience in there. We'll net out from a from a capacity standpoint just a little south of where they normally are um, when you end up. Um, killing some seats for additional media in there, um, but we're reconfiguring some other spaces uh, in there to make sure that we've got uh, seats. They've got some interesting sections like a club purple in there, which is a great for a, for a Vikings game, couches in there where you can sit, but we're transitioning that a little bit into some, some more traditional seating. So we'll end up around that 66,000 number, um, not too much south of that. And Though yes, you're right, Brian. We do come in, and and it's a league run event, and we're we've got our core partners working with us. Um, it's absolutely a partnership with the stadium, the folks at SMG who run the stadium, and the Vikings, and they'll play, and they are playing an incredibly important role in in making sure they nobody you know we've spent a lot of time and done a lot of site visits since the building's open, but nobody knows the building better than they do. So we'll work closely with them. It's just it is a very different setup for Super Bowl. Those of you who've seen the stadium, it's right smack dab in the middle of an urban setting in Minneapolis. So um, it's not like a, a Miami or a, a Houston where you've got lots of parking lots around the stadium. And given the security dynamics of the Super Bowl, which is ensuring a 300-foot perimeter around the stadium, Super Bowl, as you know, is a level one national security event. We've had to do some things differently, um, you know, which may be, may be interesting to your listeners. We're actually... Um, creating security entry points for the Super Bowl um, at Mall of America. So fans can park at Mall of America, go through security there, and then get on 
um, a secured train and get right to uh, the stadium. There's a train uh, drop right at the stadium there. So a lot of things change in a, in a Super Bowl environment um, than a traditional Vikings game, but the, the folks at the stadium are a, a huge part of that. That's brilliant. I like that you're using Mall of America and letting people transit from there. I think that'll save you a lot of uh, congestion at the stadium itself. Let's talk about the musical acts. A lot of people who watch a Super Bowl, they may not have watched every NFL game this year, but they'll watch this. And, and part of the reason they watch it is, is it's a social event, but also, you know, they love the things going on around the event. And for the anthem, you've got Leslie Odom Jr., and then for halftime, you've got Justin Timberlake. A lot of people wonder, does the NFL book those acts? Uh, can you walk us through the process of how you secured that talent for those positions within the game? Yeah, of course. And just to, just to clarify, we do, we do two patriotic anthems for the Super Bowl. So you got America the Beautiful, which Leslie Odom Jr. will do, who's uh, you know, best known for playing Aaron Burr on Hamil- in Hamilton and has done a lot of other things. Incredible. Uh, he's going to be joined by a, a local Minnesota youth choir, which will be fantastic. And then Pink, uh, Pink is actually singing the national anthem. Um, and then in halftime, Justin Timberlake. So that process is, um, you know, we've got a team uh, as part of the NFL who does a lot of our, you know, works internally on a lot of our music and entertainment work. Um, the halftime process really starts first in terms of those talent selections, really thinking about, um, you know, how we continue to build year on year in terms of the the spectacle that is the, the Super Bowl, the Pepsi Super Bowl halftime show, um, and think about kind of, you know, different entertainers, where they are, who um, will really be um, that right star that will continue to take it to the next level. We've had some incredible performances over recent, recent years, like Lady Gaga's last year. Um, and when it became... Uh, known that based on his schedule and different touring dates that Justin was going to be available. Um, you know, our team jumped on the opportunity to have him do it. He's just an incredible um, entertainer. So we're excited. Those rehearsals are, are going on now. He'll, uh, he'll come into the market in, in Minnesota on the Tuesday, start rehearsing at, at the stadium Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a spectacular show. And uh, you're right. You know, we've seen... The interesting part, obviously, the Super Bowl rating is the, you know, breaks records and is the, the, the largest TV audience in this country every year. Um, and if you look at the minute by minute ratings, uh, often you'll see the ratings or the uh, average audience go up uh, during the halftime show. Um, and that's a pretty high bar that it's going up from. So clearly it is a, is a huge part of, um, you know, what, as many say, is a, is a national holiday. And then those anthem decisions are, and, and America Beautiful are important, really making sure um, you've, got, you've got incredible artists who will create great moments. Pink, interesting, interestingly enough, has not sang the anthem on a, on a national stage like this before, and she's got an incredible voice, so that, uh, that'll be a special way to start the game. We'll return to our conversation after a word from our sponsor. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. 
They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Now back to our conversation. With Justin Timberlake, since it's the Pepsi halftime show, does Pepsi pick the talent? Does the NFL pick the talent? Do you collaborate to pick the talent? Yeah, we work... uh you know, the NFL is, is ultimately driving the decision, but work very closely with Pepsi. They've been now a, a longtime partner of the halftime show, um, and, and they're very much with us every step of the way in, in making that decision. There are many other off-site activities around the Super Bowl. It's actually one of my favorite things of the week. When I was in New York, you had Super Bowl Avenue and you had like a bobsled uh, in Times Square. You know, Arizona, when I was there, had some great things going on in the downtown area. Maybe tell us about the peripheral activities. I know there's the NFL experience. If you're a fan, you want to come throw a football or kick the ball. You see legends walking around. It's a really cool deal that you guys have. Yeah, that's the, that's one of the things I'm most uh, proud of is how the week long activity has grown. So, if you if you're not able to get in the stadium on game day, there's really a 10 day football festival, fan festival going on that everybody can experience, um, which really starts uh, this upcoming Friday, January 26th, when Super Bowl Live opens up which is the free 10-day fan festival which will take place right in downtown Minneapolis on Nicolette Mall, which is the, the walking mall there. And that's going to be transformed, if you uh, was just out there last night looking at it, that's going to be transformed into um, an incredible, uh, this Minnesota Super Bowl, the kind of the, the term that surrounds this Minnesota Super Bowl is embracing the bold north. So that, that block and those six blocks, excuse me, will be, um, everything from you know dog sledding. There's a big bridge out there with cross country <laughs> skiing. There's tubing, snow tubing going on out there. Um, mixed with you know that's where you'll see, and a lot of the national broadcasts will come from Super Bowl Live on Nicolette Mall. NBC's got a big set out there. NFL Network, uh, ESPN, CNN. So lots of incredible activities on that Friday night just to kick things off in a nice, in a fun, a little bit tongue in cheek way. There's a big Ice Mountain uh, concert stage out there, and Adina Menzel uh, will be singing Let It Go from Frozen from the top of the Ice Mountain stage to get things going just in that Embrace the Bold North. But there'll be concerts every night out there, and the great part, that's all free. Um, one thing that we've, uh, we've really built the last three years is creating a big national kickoff to Super Bowl week. Um, as you know, media day used to take place on the Tuesday during the day in the morning. Um, incredible spectacle of, of um, all types of media there to interview the, the two teams for the first time. That's now shifted. It started at Super Bowl 50 to Monday night, Super Bowl opening night, um, which this year will take place in St. Paul at the XL Energy Center. And fans have been doing this for a while, but that Fans now can come in, be part of that opening night, see the players as they come into town for the first time. Um, that's sold out in about in under an hour. One of the neat things we're doing, uh, clearly the Twin Cities, it's important to represent the Twin Cities. Monday night Super Bowl opening night will be at, Mall at the uh, 
at Excel, where the teams will be, and then at what we call halftime of opening night between the AFC and NFC media sessions, we'll throw to the, that Ice Mountain stage on uh, Super Bowl Live, where there'll be a big tribute to Prince. So um, Sheila E., um, The Revolution, Morris Day, and The Time will be all performing a lot of the, the great um, parts of, tri- of Prince's community will be performing there, so kind of linking Minneapolis and St. Paul and opening night. And then last thing, Brian, I'll mention, you mentioned NFL experience. We actually changed the name this year to Super Bowl experience and, and lean into Super Bowl more, and that is our massive uh, theme park that we create indoors, uh, which opens the Saturday before Super Bowl, a week and a day prior. And that, as you said, you can come in if you're a fan or a kid or an adult, want to kick a field goal, throw a ball. Um, but that has become even more um, interactive where we've got major virtual reality presence in there with all of the VR content we capture throughout the year. You can come in and really feel like you're in the sideline on the sideline of a game or in the tunnel um, and just a huge, um, lots of players there signing autographs. So we expect uh, once, you know, certainly everyone coming in for Super Bowl will be, will be jacked up for that. And then once Vikings fans take a breath and, and, and grieve, grieve for a bit, they'll, uh, they'll come out in full force uh, given that uh, there hasn't been a game in this market for 26 years, a Super Bowl game. I had not heard about the tribute to Prince. I love it. Um, obviously, you're embracing the cold weather there, but what are the contingency plans? I, you know, I hate to bring it up, and it's before your time, but I remember several years back with Dallas, and you know, you would have never thought there'd be uh, ice and and bad weather in Dallas for the Super Bowl, but there was. I know you can only control so much, but I imagine that's probably something on your plate too that you've got to look at for contingency plans, right? Absolutely, and uh, you know, the the great thing is that that this market, uh, Minnesota and the Twin Cities, are they're very used to, to, to big storms or to cold weather. Um, you know, and often, given that it's uh, you know so cold here, they actually don't get uh, quite as much snowfall as you might expect. Though. Um, we've been we've been working on this and and have teams in place um, working through every different contingency, whether that's extreme cold or um, or a significant snowfall. The really the good thing is we've had a couple of tests and we're getting one uh, today where we can test the snow clearing, making sure we clear um, all of the key spaces and venues, not only for fans to get around but for the teams to get around. Uh, there's actually a, a decent snowfall the day of that Vikings-Saints uh, divisional game here in Minneapolis. So our teams were already on the ground and kind of ran those protocols. So clearly something we watch closely and, and make sure. Um, but unlike some of those other markets, this is a town that um, is very prepared for those elements and very proud of the fact that uh, you, uh, you power through those and, and they've been incredible in, in getting the streets cleared and, and getting everything ready to go quickly. Peter, just a few minutes left. Talk to us about ticket allocation. If you're a Patriots fan, if you're an Eagles fan, if you're just a fan of the NFL and the Super Bowl, how do you allocate tickets for such a prestigious event? Yeah, so um, it breaks down. It breaks down this way: um, the two participating teams um, get 35 percent of the the tickets in the stadium, and they uh, so 17 and a half per participating team. They, uh, you know, they work in different ways with their season ticket members, their partners to get those, you know, get those tickets, make them available. Today on this Monday, you'll see a lot of those. Now that the teams are confirmed, a lot of those fan travel package offers going out to out to fans. Um, 
5% of the, the stadium goes to the host team, the Vikings. Um, so um, that's an allocation and then part of hosting a game. Uh, and then 35% goes to the, um, the other 30 teams, if you will, the non-participating teams um, to allocate to their, their fans and partners. And then the, the, the remaining 25% are, are is league inventory um, that we allocate across, across our partners. You may have seen this year something that we're excited about um, for the first time, and I haven't seen um, kind of a major sporting event at this level do that. We took 500 tickets um, and decided we we're going to identify incredible fans uh, who um, deserve an opportunity to go to the game and, and get them those tickets for free. So um, we've worked with all 32 clubs and the commissioners um, identified and met with a lot of fans who, who are going to have that incredible experience of, of getting free tickets to the Super Bowl and being part of it. Um, so that's an element that we added this year and, and allowing more fans um, and great fans who may have never been to the Super Bowl for a chance to, to get there. But that's how the percentages break down, Brian. What a great idea. I mean, that's going to change those people's lives. I saw, was it Millie, the 99-year-old uh, Vikings fan who uh, Roger Goodell sat with at the game a few weeks ago and gave her a ticket? That was such a, a great uh, gesture by the commissioner. Let me ask you about future Super Bowl hosts. We've got Atlanta and Mercedes-Benz Stadium in 2019, Miami in 2020, L.A. and their new stadium in 2021. Peter, when you're looking at cities to host the Super Bowl, what are the criteria that you're looking for other than, you know, a great stadium and uh, it seems like you're moving to the state-of-the-art stadiums for hosting this game? Yeah, and just one thing, just to be clear, and this happened relatively recently, so we go out of Minnesota, we're Atlanta into Miami, and then actually Tampa and then L.A. Okay. Um, so we ended up, uh, Tampa slotted in there prior to L.A. Um, as when L.A. pushed out the, the opening of the stadium in Inglewood by one year, so Tampa is now in there. So we've got those, uh, after this game, those four set to go. Um, and it's a, you know, certainly a number, number of factors and um, work really closely across the ownership group to identify the, the best host cities. And clearly stadium is key, and we've got an incredible one this year and a, and a great one next year in, in a brand-new Mercedes-Benz Stadium and then into Miami and, and all of the great renovations. It's almost like a new stadium, all the incredible work the Dolphins have done in that building. So that's, that's important for sure. Um, and then making sure that we've really got the support across the market and in that community to do, as you referenced, the game is the epicenter, but there's so much across that 10-day event and festival and wanting to make sure that those cities are thinking about and working with us on how do we innovate around that? How do we bring new ideas to the table um, and, you know, certainly strike the balance of um, some of the more traditional uh, Super Bowl host markets who have been tremendous over the years with bringing in new markets who haven't hosted games, um, whether tied to a new stadium or otherwise. So a lot of work. And, and as you say, as you said, we're a little further out and it's important with all of this planning to be that much further out. So we're excited to have those four games and then we'll start to, to think about uh, the next set very soon. Two more quick questions. One, you know, it seems like when people walk into a venue now, they want to be able to interact and share their experiences with people. I know when I've been to Super Bowls, you know, it's great to post on Twitter or Instagram, social media. 
What are you doing? Because that's a, a growing area. I mean, 10 years ago, I'm sure there wasn't the focus that there is now on the wireless experience for fans when they walk into a venue. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, you know, at the at the baseline, making sure that the Wi-Fi in the building is um, really strong and, and delivers for whatever um, a fan would like to do. And clearly that's a huge part of it. And we balance that, and we've got a great Super Bowl app that uh, that fans going to the Super Bowl should should download. And and on there, it's you know it's the complement to everything um, that you would want. And that's you know whether that's certain, you know highlights. Though I think given our team in the stadium, you'll you'll be able to see those on every board around you. But if you are at the game and feel like you might be missing some of the commercials, though we'll play some in the in the stadium as well. You've got that on there. Um, and then obviously all of the the core things. That's just the basic behavior of wanting to share and, and, and make sure everybody has the ability to post in there. But it's interesting. I think we work a lot with our game presentation team, who I'm biased, but I think are the best in the business, on making sure that fans sitting there feel like they're being uh, they're not missing anything and they've got everything on the boards around them. So we've, we integrate, you see this in a lot of stadiums, a lot of social into our boards, so people posting things can then See that pop up on the boards there. Like I said, we'll be showing commercials in stadium. We'll be using some of our new technology around next-gen stats to um, use the video, board, video boards in the building to track player movement and give that fan, you know, some of whom are in there and want to make sure they're, you know, seeing the spectacle of the Super Bowl, as you said, and some are, you know, diehard, diehard fans, bucket list, there to see their Eagles or their Patriots in a Super Bowl, um, and we want to make sure they've got every stat in there. So it's the balance of the mobile, what you got in your hand, and, and head down experience, along with that that head up and, and giving them the you know every bit of information entertainment they might want. Peter, last question for you. I know at the beginning of the interview we talked about the schedule the next two weeks, but give our listeners some insight into you and your schedule. I mean, are you up at like 5 a.m. and you're going to bed at 1 a.m.? Are you eating at all? Are you doing stuff <laughs> at events where you've got to be front-facing? Are you more behind the scenes? What's your schedule look like in your life for the next two weeks? Sound like my wife and mother there, Brian. On the, are you eating? <laughs> yeah, you at better all? be eating. You don't want to get a migraine or anything like that, young man. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, we are. Uh, you know, my schedule, and we've got an incredible team. Who's you know, but this is, you know, we are. Um, this is what we prepare for all year. So we are. We are going. You know, the uh, the email doesn't stop. The conversations don't stop. We we. Uh, we start early um, out here, um, up early, kind of clearing through any issues. And then um, we have an all kind of core staff meeting, um, a 7 a.m. meeting on Pro Bowl uh, every morning and then an 8 a.m. following it on Super Bowl. So that's as people are kind of in the different locations. We video conference everyone in and have those core meetings, set the tone for the day, get everything set, and then um, kind of break the huddle, if you will, and, and go off to do our, our different work. Um, and I'm kind of bouncing between, uh, you know, a lot of behind the scenes, and that's where I'd rather say, rather stay. And then there's certainly some front-facing events that that we do, um, you know, on on the media side and otherwise. But that's the, you know, that's the game plan, and a lot of a lot of adrenaline and uh, a lot of a lot of great people, you know, doing the work uh, well well beyond me. When you were growing up, did you ever envision running the Super Bowl someday? <laughs> I always wanted to, uh, or like any, like many kids, you obviously wanted to be, um, you know, catching a ball in the Super Bowl. But uh, from those 
moments when that was not going to be a reality, uh, when that, that, that dawned on me. Um, yeah, I always wanted to work on sport, work in sports. I always wanted to be around the game. Um, I was fortunate to, during my college years, go to the University of Notre Dame and, and work for Coach Lou Holtz at the time and be the, one of the head managers of the football team and spent a lot of time behind the scenes doing, doing all of the, the little things to, to help that team. And that's kind of when I got in my head, maybe there's a career in this sports thing. Um, and then came back to New York where I grew up, started working on the media side, working at the NBA, working on Olympic stuff. And um, ultimately, um, the NFL is the, is the ultimate and the Super Bowl is the ultimate. So I feel incredibly fortunate to be part of this team. And like I said uh, before we started this call, um, just carrying the torch for a lot of great people who came before me. Well, Peter, you do a fantastic job. Peter O'Reilly, the Senior Vice President of Events for the NFL. When you're watching the Pro Bowl, when you're watching the Super Bowl, they've got Peter's fingerprints all over him. It's he and his team that are producing these events. You can find Peter on Twitter at P.L. O'Reilly. Peter, thanks so much. Best of luck the next few weeks, and I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks, Brian. Really enjoyed it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This episode of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by Ergon Office, who manufacture beautiful, high-quality electronic standing desks. Co-founded by former hockey player Sam Finn, Ergon Office is on a mission to inspire people to live a more active lifestyle because the human body just wasn't meant to be sitting 13 hours a day. When I'm not in the recording studio, I have a home office and I like to alternate standing and sitting throughout the course of the day. If I don't, my back gets sore or it'll lock up. I also get an energy boost every time I stand and work or talk on the phone. Studies have proven alternating between sitting and standing leads to increased productivity and a reduction in muscle disorders like back pain or carpal tunnel, which cost society close to $50 billion annually in lost productivity and medical bills. What I love the most about Ergon Office is that the desks adjust using an embedded touchscreen, allowing you to switch seamlessly between a sitting and standing position in seconds. You can even save your preferred heights for more convenience. Ergon Office's height adjustable desks are available in Canada and the United States. Change how you work and be healthier in the process. Ergon Office has beautiful, high-quality desks with a unique design, and they couldn't be easier to adjust. Their customer service is great, too, so they'll help you find the best desks that work for your needs. I'm a really big fan of this company. Check them out at ergonoffice.com backslash SBR and use the promo code SBR10 to get 10% off any standing desk. That's ergonoffice, E-R-G-O-N-O-F-I-S dot com backslash SBR, promo code SBR10. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at ergonoffice. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our sports business radio roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio, rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and, of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at sportsbusinessradio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. 
Reserve your spot for the 2018 Sports PR Summit presented by the Players' Tribune on Tuesday, May 22nd at the Players' Tribune headquarters in New York City. The Sports PR Summit brings together elite athletes, national media members, and senior PR and social media executives for panel discussions, featured conversations, and networking opportunities. The event allows PR execs to lead with a better understanding of the elite athletes, owners, commissioners, and national media people they're working with. The event also allows attendees to see Derek Jeter's one-of-a-kind digital publishing company, The Players' Tribune, up close, as well as network with top Players' Tribune executives. Past Sports PR Summit speakers include NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, NASCAR legend Jeff Gordon, Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, NFL stars Anquan Bolden and Demarcus Ware, Cleveland Cavaliers all-star Isaiah Thomas, WNBA legend Lisa Leslie, ESPN reporters Tom Rinaldi and Jeremy Schapp, and Sports Illustrated executive editor and 60 Minutes correspondent John Wartime. The Sports PR Summit has sold out each of its first five years, and there are only 125 spots. Reserve your spot today by going online to sportsprsummit.com. Follow the Sports PR Summit on Twitter and Instagram at Sports PR Summit. I hope to see you on May 22nd at the Players' Tribune in New York City.